Yeah, you know, I had a two-hour interview this afternoon. Then I was teaching for three hours nonstop, also on Zoom. And now we're doing this conversation. already, yeah. <laughs> were you being interviewed or you were interviewing? Uh, I was being interviewed by um, a local um, journalist, radio radio journalist. Great, yeah. And um, it's interesting. It's always the same thing right now. Like people talk about or ask me about Bandcamp and Spotify and blah, blah, blah. And I hope that if if we and when we get to talk to Umru that, uh, you know, I <laughs> really... Yeah. I, I really <laughs> I mean, he, he was he, yeah he knows i'm sending him the link uh, he, he, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's he's already he's already here he's already oh, yeah. coming good excellent yeah he's very extremely responsible yeah. <laughs> hi umru hey. there he is okay. hey good to see you yeah yeah hey, do you want like more high quality sound with headphones and things or is it okay well, if you if you use headphones, it's going to be better for sure. So right, I'll put them on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And do you want original sound turned on? Uh, I you know to be honest, I don't know if that will make any difference here. Who knows, Umru? Do you know? <laughs> uh, it, it, it it will if you have it. And also, I'm not using the fancy microphone. Should I use that? I no, mean, no, it's no, it's uh, all yeah. it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, right. good. The headphones are probably better. Yeah, and. Uh, I can, I mean, I could also, yeah, I'm using my laptop mic, but I, I have a microphone here if you want me to. No, no, it sounds, sounds good enough. It's fine okay. for this. This is, this is really low key stuff. Sure. Right. Marcus is an expert at it talking was. to people, talking to people, getting really? them to reveal their secrets, you know. Just, yeah. Do you think so? <laughs> I really like that Anil Prasad interview and, you know, and I didn't know much about him. The guy's amazing, you know, yes. all the stuff he's done. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to um, run this format in a way that it really is improvised and people mm -hmm. sort of like, uh, I, I hope that people can reveal themselves in the conversation mm -hmm. rather than me going mm -hmm. into a specific direction. But like, you know, uh, like having a father and son here is is something special for me. And I've met both of you. I mean, Umru, maybe like five years ago. So you were like 16, right? Or something. I don't know. How old are you now? Mm -hmm. I'm 21. Yeah. Right okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And now you, Marcus, you've more recently become a father, so the whole process has a might have a different essence for you than yes, even like for, five years ago. For sure. And like in most of the conversations uh, I had with people, uh, at some point we came to the the topic uh, of fatherhood. Uh -huh. You know. So. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, but what is great for me, Umru, is that um, you know a lot of the stuff that old people talk about nowadays <laughs> is. So, uh, I would, I would really, uh, you know, get your perspective on on things. And um, like, just I just mentioned to your father that uh, this afternoon I, I was interviewed by a radio radio journalist here in Berlin, and like, you know, he wanted to talk about Spotify and Bandcamp and Bandcamp Friday and. I do have an opinion on those things, um, but so you're a music producer and you 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 um, you're putting out music. Are you actually making money with music? Um, yeah, to an extent. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, my 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 biggest um, income comes from from samples from selling you know uh, sample packs. Yes, for for musicians, for you know other producers. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely, I do make money from from music. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, this is something like, um, I know, like, uh, some guys that I work with, they also do the same, they sell sample packs. And 
they're sort of uh, successful with that or even library music, right? Mm -hmm. Is is maybe like another field that is where it's still possible to make some money. But what what kind of what kind of distribution do you use or do you sell sell them yourself? For Just for the that, samples, I'm yeah, for the samples. I I have packs on on Splice. And so I both have packs on the Splice platform and I also am the intern there, a paid intern uh, right now part-time okay. so uh -huh. i do like internal uh you know stuff there too but like i have two packs kind of under my name on there and it's just a platform where you know uh you pay per month and you get a certain number of sample downloads per month and it's super easy for people to use so like it's very popular or at least yeah my, my sounds you know somehow keep getting like consistently new people keep downloading them on there and so it's kind of like a that's and, that uh, makes me more money than music streaming <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. And what's what's the the model there for payments? Like, what? How do they uh, pay you? What is the um, what is the key? How do they the, decide I mean, they, how much you get? They pay a very small amount per download. You know, similar to streams, but it's yeah, like the the user pays per month and just gets a certain amount of sounds. But like, they pay each artist just by like the amount of downloads that you each sound got it's and it's per sound you don't have to you, you're not selling a whole pack you're selling individual sounds or, or you can sell the whole pack but yeah like and splice, the idea is that yeah splice kind of wants to be uh, correct me if i'm wrong sort of like netflix for sounds you subscribe and mm -hmm. then yeah. once you subscribe they need more and more content mm -hmm. and that's why you know umru has, and i have been able to work on three packs together Mm -hmm. of uh you know nature-based sounds and i would also say more money is made from those than than actual recorded music and these are samples and loops basic on the kind of sounds i use in my own music but i would never use these samples yeah i would never use them because i don't i i would use long experiences with these sounds i wouldn't cut and paste them but i like hearing what you can do with that and and making these samples would have been impossible without umru's help and regularizing everything and turning them into the kind of sound that starts out as a whale and ends up something that an electronic producer would want and mm -hmm. so it's, it's it's interesting to see this whole thing develop like you uh, i wouldn't have expected it yeah it's interesting. 10 years ago yeah yeah I, th I think what's happening is that um a lot of people who used to be just um music consumers also you know start making music and that's obvious then there is a market for people mm. to get like pre-produced content right i mean it, yeah, it, is, sure. it is it is something that brian eno predicted you know in his in his book which was just reissued year with swollen appendices yeah. that he wrote years ago he said in the future you know people are going to get music it's not going to be static it's going to be changing and i think sample packs are sort of like that it's like music that you then make you know, yeah, he didn't quite yeah. see it like that, but it really, you can see how that happened, that the ease of what used to be mysterious producing music is now something people can do on their phones, on computers, and they, they want they want to make it out of material. And you load up the samples in these packs, everything's in time. It so, so sounds good, especially if you've never done it before. Like, wow, it sounds great. Wow, I've made a song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. definitely very accessible, but it's I mean, it's also like no one is doing that and and not listening to normal music that they like you know it's not like a replacement at all but it's definitely like yeah it's very easy for people to just you know have have stuff to work with and start out with and, and splice is not just a sample uh marketplace it also you know they have um 
plugins that instead of paying for, you know, $200 synth that you might not want to buy, you can pay like $5 a month and then it seems like nothing. And then you have that synth, you know, rent it and that kind of, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there's definitely lots of other things like that where, yeah. It's a little bit like a, like you could say you have like a gaming platform which would, which would be your Ableton Live and then you have Splice that gives you content or gives you like uh, new levels to play with, right? In your, in, in a way it's, it's a little bit like that. Yeah, and you think like the like older sample packs were expensive. They were for film composers and professionals, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, the fact if it was uh, you know super expensive meant it was really serious. And the idea of splices, it's for everybody because it's cheap. You could mm-hmm. you could afford it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That sounds sounds interesting to me. I had not heard of it before. Um, and it's, I mean, they're also kind of trying to expand into like, that's obviously a huge market for samples is like film, you know, post-production and, and, and scoring and stuff. And they're trying to get more into that, like licensing for movie scoring and also, um, yeah, like sound effects for, because most kind of like film sound effect type people like already have their libraries that they use for everything. And like Splice is trying to market to them more now recently beyond yeah. just musicians. Mm-hmm. Every every company wants to expand. They, they uh, find some way to make money in this age when content seems endlessly free. Yes. Everyone wants to take over. Like I can imagine Splice in ten years be doing un, things we can't quite predict. Future right. things. Yeah, because okay, so- it's definitely it's the same kind of thing as Netflix, where it's like you can get every movie for free online. It's just like what the the service they're giving you is like convenience and ease. And it's like, oh, it's not that much money. And you just it's so easy to get these samples and you have them everywhere. And it's it's legal, right? Yeah. But like, you know, in terms of like, it's not like someone can't just download the pack and then give it to their friends. It's very easy to do that. It's just a matter of like, oh, it's so much easier to just use this thing and it's kind of cheap, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But do you think, Umru, do you think people like the fact that they're subscribing and paying or would they, if they found a way not to pay and get it all for free, would, would the customer be happier? Oh, I mean, I know lots of, you know, it's right. so standard among young music producers to not pay for things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying is I think there's a lot of more people who are willing to pay mm-hmm. a few bucks a month and have access to this stuff than are willing to buy, you know, serum for $200 or whatever, you know, buy like a, like p- people much more often are stealing or, or you know, pirating uh, expensive software than they are these kinds of samples because it's, relatively cheap to get them still it's pretty accessible yeah yeah would you say there's an ethos in in uh, of your friends and generation that all of this stuff should be free that the notion that ideas and art and commerce mix is 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 from the dark ages and in the, now in the future it all should be free and money will be made some other way um i think there's a i mean people just don't have the money to pay for things. And I think people generally people are willing to pay for things that are, you know, people buy music, people buy merchandise from, from musicians, you know, like, especially just, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, obviously this is, doesn't speak for everybody, but I think like there's much more interest in paying for, you know, a concert or a, a, a vinyl record or a, you know, some kind of you know item from a, a musician that you like rather than from you know a company um mm-hmm. yeah how did you get yeah. so many people to order copies of a seven inch of a song that everyone can listen to for free i don't know it's very crazy yeah that's another thing i just did that's also like 
very related to a you know a, a music tech company but um yeah bandcamp um just announced that they they are doing these vinyl kind of kickstarter campaigns where it's like if you can get a certain number a minimum number of orders then they'll produce and ship out this vinyl for you um which is so smart because that's like the kind of thing that independent musicians often can't afford to do because like the upfront cost of buying a bunch of vinyls and then not sh knowing if they'll sell is like a big deal um and yeah i guess you know it's like obviously everyone can listen to the song for free it's not even like you have to have a streaming service it's on you know free streaming services you know it's on soundcloud and youtube and stuff um but yeah people just like these artists you know people want to support these artists and, and it's the type of thing that's like a lot of these artists have never had including me have never had a, a physical music release ever and so it's like exciting you know for i think basically every artist on there even some of them that are pretty big have not had a physical release because it's still something that's pretty hard to do without you know like a label backing or anything so like yeah and it's just this you know kind of fun song that like people really liked um so what, what kind of number of copies are we talking here i can check it's the minimum was 250 copies that you had to like that's the minimum that they would produce um, yeah and how many did you sell you got the minimum in one day in 24 hours you got I, the amount of i money did you it's yeah. very crazy yeah. you said you have one month and in one day you got enough and now it's probably much more than that yeah now we're at let's see we have sold 310 copies yeah and it, it's yeah i mean the, the way that campaign works it's like kickstarter where we had you know some people chose to pay more than than the minimum amount for some kind of special, you know, we have like a thing where one of the artists will record you like a vocal, you know, a little like clip or a video, that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, people are more willing to support stuff like that when like, it seems pretty clear that basically all the money is going to that artist that they like, you know, it's like, seems, it's, it's yeah, it seems like people are more willing to, to pay for that kind of thing. But the same, this very song, which is your remix of, of um, a well-known, piece with lots of people putting their little parts in together like it was a sort of collective remix that mm -hmm. but that song uh, you know on, on different services has been streamed hundreds of thousands of times or something or my thing my remix has been streamed yeah. probably like a hundred or uh, probably uh, yeah adding stuff together like two hundred thousand times or something i mean it's not that old it's pretty new still yeah. from it's probably a few months ago yeah. um, but the original song is also yeah it's from last year and it, that one has the song that I remixed all, you know, probably has like close to a million streams. I'm not honestly not even sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. You know, all this, all this stuff is like kids, like, you know, people yeah. like the kids artist, today, kids today, literally who, who would have thunk it wasn't making music like a year or two ago. Uh -huh. It's very yeah. crazy. So, so but Umri, you were basically saying that like what I have been saying about older people right people still want to buy a physical copy and they want to su support the artist rather than pay for product right and if they feel yeah. like there's there's like some sort of uh em like emotional connection let's say or you know like they they have certain emotions towards the artist then they uh actually want to support them and actually pay a little extra even like as yeah, you said yeah. and i that's exactly what i what i'm experiencing um but my audience is it's like my age or older, which is um, right. kind of a little bit scary because like, you know, if I think about like what, it, what about in 20 years, you know, like 
So I, I'm, I'm kind of like thinking like, how can I expand and <laughs> speak to younger audiences somehow? I mean, I'm not really considering that about my, my actual work, you know, like my work is what it is, but um, the question really is how can there be sort of like a, a generational, uh, how can, I don't know, like how can older music or older musicians kind of like make the music available to younger, younger generations. And I, yeah. I the, you yeah, know, the current, know, I mean, current, the current, you know, the current uh, model and like Spotify and stuff seems to not be a good, good tool to do that because the, um, the playlists are sort of like very, very much a scene, you know, attached to scenes and you would like need to know where to look and stuff. Right. I mean, yeah, there's a million problems with like the way yeah, streaming platform, like what the things that streaming platforms value in terms of like, yeah, just like what they know people will enjoy in a certain playlist in a certain, you know, like what people will want to hear. Um, they, you know, it's, it's all based on the number of plays. And it's like, if someone else has also has similar numbers of plays to this artist, then you'll probably like this artist. And it's like, mm-hmm. There's so much music that I mean, I, I can't remember who was making this point early. I think Holly Herndon was talking about this, where like some of the best music, or some of, you know, her favorite music is like an album that she's listened to like twice. You know, it's like not it doesn't have a lot of streams even in her own personal library, but it's like one of her favorite albums, and that's definitely true for me too. I have like music that I really like, and like I, I feel like I know everything about, but I've only listened to it a handful of times. Whereas like I've probably listened to you know, some newer song that's just, I have up in my recents, like way more times. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or music you've heard live that you like, right. you never yeah. forget. Like when I was at, once went to the Huddersfield Contemporary Music Festival and this woman's playing this cello piece and, and then she just stopped in the middle and in the score, she turns to the cello and says, who are you? <laughs> I have no idea what piece that was. I'll never forget that. <laughs> and I never may hear it again, but it was like, uh, you know, and Spotify, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, it's kind of judging like this is what everyone likes to listen to over and over and over again. And even among the, mu- the music that you know that I like, a lot of stuff I don't want to hear more than once or twice, and that's still important. And it's just it, it, it's not registered. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, um, even that you know, even live music that's not even live, like even just. There's music, you know, where I've, I've seen a DJ perform and all they're doing is DJing and playing their own songs. But and it's it's no different than the recorded version, but it's just like, oh, like, I really liked hearing it here. And then, like, I probably wouldn't listen to that, like, you know, on my headphones at home. And even just being quarantined for, for you know, a year, I feel like I've listened to completely different music. Like, Do you listen, do you, do you sit at home listening to a lot of music? Look, I don't. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like I, I used to, and I used to like listen to a lot of music with the intent of like, oh, like next time I play a show, I want to play stuff like this. Like this, people will like this at a, you know, you know, if I'm DJing, whereas like now I'm not ever thinking about that. And so like I'm listening to less music. But that. sometimes you're DJing online, uh, right? Yeah, you're but that's, that's a totally, I mean, that is a very different thing. Like, on, I mean, I think even if you just look at like any of these online DJ set type events that happen, everyone's set is about, you know, no more than 20 minutes. Like <laughs> in, in, in person, I would regularly be playing hour long DJ sets where it's like, I don't even have, I didn't even have an hour of my own music. So I had to be playing other people's stuff, but um, mm-hmm. definitely it's a whole different, you know, attention span, a whole different thing where it's like, you're not at a place where there's anything else to do. There's people to talk to. There's, you know, you want to dance or whatever. It's like people are at home. It's, 
definitely a very different um you know goal for the, the musician i think it's just to be entertaining it doesn't have to be like you don't necessarily have to dance to it it's like you're not worried about like making sure the crowd is like i i don't know it, it, it's it's a very different experience i think so marcus you, you were mentioning you know how how do we get like the young, younger generations to pay attention to all of us old characters and and then um you know in the past traditionally there was always people rediscovering things from other generations and i heard someone say the other day that i can't remember who it was thought that today's younger musicians are mostly interested in each other and discovering more people from their own scene rather than discovering someone older and saying i really like this music i'm going to take take this do you think that's true or is that just somebody being bitter and whining i i don't think that's true i mean i mean certainly like there's just more musicians that are just making, you know, like there's mm -hmm. just easier to find more musicians that are posting their music now. But, but I like, think, is there something you've discovered? You said, Oh, I found this amazing music from the seventies or something. I can't believe this was there. I get, yeah. I think personally, probably not enough. Like there's definitely not as, as many just like uh, points of access to any like mm -hmm. <laughs> old music, unless it's someone telling me about it. Um, but isn't it just all up there? You can find anything. Yeah, of course. But it's not, it's, you know, I, I wouldn't come across it unless almost all, like the only way I've really found any, you know, older music is from people telling me about it. And, and I definitely, I, that happens a lot. Like that's, I mean, the same goes for new music though. Like most new music that I end up liking is from someone showing it to me. Um, like rather than, I, I don't listen to a lot of Spotify playlists or a lot. And how of do they show it to you? Like just someone you know someone is, is sending you a message about it or they're or are yeah, there i mean just my friends go? do you read any like you know writers or like you know music review websites or something say so there's always something I, here. I definitely don't there's very there's a few places where i do that um maybe like one website that i could think of right now but there's definitely just people who are like my friends mm -hmm. who either i follow or i talk to and like always you know listening to interesting so music what's the site you would go to what's the one site um i don't know like i feel like most i don't know if this is really true because i'm not always looking there but like there's a site aqnb okay um, yeah that's like pretty you know small and I've, I've 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 done an interview there and stuff too but like they just definitely have a very consistently like interesting um uh, uh, taste in, in, in music that they, that they talk about. And like, it's always something that like, I, I listen and then I save it and I, you know, I listen to it again. Um, most, you know, like large music sites will write about basically all new music that's coming out. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I like not all music, but all, you know, the, there's not that much variety. I feel like on like any major thing. Cause like, obviously they have to talk about anything that's going on. Um, it's you know when it's just like this a smaller independent site they'll talk about whatever they want to it's not just about like what is the most popular you know again like click clickable thing that they have to write about i'm finding yeah, some, some some places sorry some places you know i'm surprised by the wide range of what they pick up on like when the new york times picks like 10 songs for the week some of them are things only released on Bandcamp. some of them are by teenagers some of them are from major labels they just mix up they, they, i think they've been actively trying to show that like True, yeah well this is from wherever and some of the stuff they talk about isn't released by anybody it's just on soundcloud yeah, I guess I guess I'm yeah not looking at yeah yeah I mean that that is what I was surprised by when.
when yeah, NPR did their kind of big end of the year 2020 thing and they talked about my song, you know, that's not on a label or whatever. And definitely a lot of other songs that were just, you know. Very, I think like, the, the media wants to say like, look, we know music's in all kinds of places and we want to go find it. We want to, we want to, uh, you know, t t tell our, our readers and listeners that you can find music in odd places. When, yeah. when I'm teaching music classes, I'm always amazed that the students still complain and say, the radio is so boring. All the same stuff is on the radio. Like, why are you listening to that? You could listen to so much else. You could listen to any radio station from anywhere in the world at any time. You don't have to listen to, to what you think is boring. There's something else right around the corner. It's right next to what you. I, I definitely don't know anybody that listens to the radio. Um, yeah, who are these people with their students? Yeah. Obviously, if it's like on, then you you know you hear it somewhere. People who like, drive in cars listen to the radio, and right. often the most boring stations. Although, actually, the only person I can think of who regularly listens to the radio, um, in my experience, is uh, Dylan Brady from from Hundred Gex. You know, which completely blew up over the last year in this sort of scene that I'm in. And then beyond that scene, honestly, like it's, you know, it's became like a, exactly like it was in the New York times and everything. Um, but yeah, he <laughs> literally, anytime I was in his car, he wouldn't play anything off his phone. He would just put on the radio, you know, like the most regular radio station and listen to what is the most popular. And why do you think he was doing that? He was like, these are all hit songs. These are great. He's, you know, he just liked it. He's like, and, and I think that's a major theme, like in terms of like, at least, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm in a sort of bubble of like people that already kind of like pop music and, and, and you know, want their music to be popular and it's, and, but yet they're very underground. And, but I think like in general, now there's way among like young musicians, there's way less kind of disdain for like the mainstream or like selling out or like, you know, that, that seems like that's like, it was, we're kind of past that point where that's like a problem, I think, even for like very underground kind of alternative experimental musicians it's like th there's less of a hatred for the you know what's on the radio like the mainstream pop music like i don't know people just don't kind of don't you know if it's good like aren't there some bands perhaps even 100 gex that pretend to be independent but actually are on a big label and they try and hide that fact because of their ambivalence about selling out I would say there's more people that are just like check it out i got signed um i know that i mean they yeah they're they did for a while they got signed and just they didn't announce anything until they released an album um but there's the, yeah i mean there's always been like even just entire labels that kind of don't have a public presence just or the sub labels that are just like these artists look we kind of just promote them as as bedroom pop type like stuff and i think in that sort of genre it's more of a thing like like artists who's who yeah like yeah are making more like um Specifically that that title bedroom pop, I think there's a lot of artists who who have this image of being very, you know, low budget and and are actually signed to big labels. Whereas I think like other areas, I think it's less of a I don't know, like just people I know that got signed recently will just be like, Yeah, check it out, I got signed. Like, isn't that crazy? The 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 big labels are being run out of bedrooms, you know, some just bigger <laughs> bedrooms <laughs> as the offices are closed down. I think when I was twenty one, you know, we I all of my friends, we all wanted to get signed, but we were like obscure jazz musicians who wanted to get signed to obscure jazz labels. Right. But we still, we still were impressed by the people that were on those labels, and and um, we did have a certain disdain for uh, pop music 
but many people from that world then became successful pop musicians after a while because right. they uh, they just like <laughs> people needed to needed to do something you know and, and some of them were very disdainful of the same music they ended up doing like 10 20 years later which is interesting yeah so i i wonder if there's um still like the emotional attachment to, to sound to songs to music mm. if that's if that has changed like the way that is um, you know, because like one of the main aspects that I found, at least in my world, for people to really, you know, to really love something was that they had to discover it themselves. And like like the uh, recommendation engines, let's say, that are everywhere now, and that may be a website or that may the New York Times be the New York Times or the Spotify algorithm, right? They sort of like don't really uh, have that vibe of you know, I have discovered it. It's always like somebody's presenting it to me. And I, 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 I don't know, but I could imagine that that's one of the reasons why there's less emotional attachment to the artist, actually. What if a friend uh, told you about it? Would that count as you discovering it yourself or, or not? No, no. You'd have no. to find it. To, how, how would you do the discovery by finding the record? By, 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 the, by the music hitting my, my eardrum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right, like and that's what the radio did in the eighties to me. Like I was uh, like, like, so the was, radio, uh, you found it. It on was, the radio. it was, it was the radio. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Like then, so that's why if like like playlists would actually play random tracks from Spotify, you know, within Spotify. I don't know if that exists. That would be great. The, it, uh, there, well, there's a website that that specifically plays Spotify songs that have zero streams. I forget what it's Excellent called. Excellent idea. Oh, the problem is there is a lot of terrible, you know, because so much music gets uploaded to Spotify. It's generally the ones with zero streams are usually not good, but it's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's you know, that's a good Spotify thing. themselves doesn't. They should have a button that randomly plays a song. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, so, but the thing is, like, the radio has, was never random. It's being curated by someone, and they're playing sure. music. It's the same. It, it's also a recommendation engine as much as Spotify, but it wasn't necessarily based on, you know, like, Spotify is so based on stream numbers because that's the main statistic they have, and they just everything is based around that. And that's like, yeah, it's definitely. I understand, but that's, that's not the point I was making. The point was that it was possible to hear something that was kind of like because also obviously i was younger i was in my teens right so and hearing music then sort of not random i know like curated but i i was able to just discover something so that's why probably going to a party where you know there's a dj playing interesting music uh, would be kind of like the equivalent nowadays probably so marcus what were you listening to when you were like 21 years old uh, crimson was that was that was like the age I discovered King Crimson when I was uh, twenty, I think. And right, you, heard them on the you heard them on the radio, or you? No, no, that was actually uh, I, yeah. It was mentioned to me by my piano teacher um, in piano class when I was fourteen mm. or so, and then a couple of years later, I remembered that he mentioned King Crimson, and I saw a CD for like five Deutschmarks or something like really cheap, and I bought it. I didn't like it. I returned it. And then mm -hmm. a week later, I bought another King Crimson record, which was from the 80s Discipline, which is actually a great, really great album. And that that kind of like caught my attention, you know, but even even then, you know, like when somebody was mentioning music or an artist, I would listen to it and then kind of like see, OK, does it speak to me or not? Mm -hmm. And um, 
and I've really not all, not not so often in my life did I have the experience of really feeling like okay I found something that is kind of my tribe because that mm -hmm. that's really eventually what it is. Um, like for example, I like the band Tool also, which I discovered pretty late, like 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 six, seven, eight years into their career, and um, um, I had to force myself to even listen to that music. But you know, like sometimes it's it's uh, it's important to spend that time with uh, something even like playing in the background. That's mm -hmm. why the radio. I mean, radio was was cool because it was something that was just in the background. And in Germany, there was no uh, like you guys have college radio. Uh, mm. That doesn't exist in Germany or never existed. Mm. Yeah. And and so um, what happens is that during the daytime you had mainstream radio, and then the same uh, channels like had uh, um, had you know, like avant-garde music or right. like, like the night. And, and so you knew, like, if you turn on the radio at 11 at night, you would hear something interesting. And that's sort of like how I came across a lot of music. Yeah. I remember that. Also late at yeah. night. There, there hey, so, this, yeah. so Umru, um, how, like, do you have dad be, oh, being a musician, also being a musician, uh, um, how... It, influential was it like growing up with your dad and like do, do you like any of the music that <laughs> he does or or do you still listen to any of the music that maybe uh, david was listening to i think so yeah no i mean definitely obviously it's very influential and like when i was like a little kid we would like made you know things that we put out even you know that said that was like both of us and um And, you know, obviously, like I had Ableton just off of his old computer and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, no, the first songs, I mean, I've been using iTunes since I had a device that could listen to music and I have that same library still. And so sometimes I will just shuffle it. And like all the first music I had was directly from from his library of music. And it's like not even necessarily artists that I got into, especially, but it's like certain songs that I just, you know, like knew then and, and i would as a kid i would definitely just listen to these random songs like so often because you know they were i had heard them you know um and then they're, they're like there was just two songs that you would you would fall asleep to that i had to sing true yeah you'd sing like tom waits songs. yeah <laughs> <Just> <laughs> no not like just just two very specific songs right. one one was was uh, <laughs> was come on up to the house tom waits You know, the moon is broken, the sky is cracked. Come on up to the house. And the other was the song from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? You know, go to sleep, you little baby. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was it. Nothing else could could be done. <laughs> Nothing else was allowed. <laughs> And they're both great songs that are unusual. So, Umru, in your, in your music productions, do you do any of these initial experiences with music and like the emotions let's do they play a role when you're making musical decisions um i'm sure they do i mean i don't necessarily consciously think about it um mm -hmm. but obviously i'm sure you know all of this stuff had an effect i think i like yeah i don't know um i'm, I'm sure they do <laughs> yeah 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 no way. i'm 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 curious also because you mentioned the you know splice before and producing samples for them so what is, is there, well, if at all, is there a difference between producing a sample and a song? I mean, like what, where is the, where's the, the line for you? When I, when I made my like packs that are out under my name, I completely just 
went through my own project files and just exported any sound that was kind of original and that I had made, you know, during making that song. I don't think I made a single sample, like just for the pack mm-hmm. in terms of like just sitting down and making like drum sample. I mean, sometimes I would do that, I guess, but most of it was just taken out of my own kind of sessions. Um, mm-hmm. So that was very much just like reusing, you know, stuff that I had made for a certain purpose. Um, Cause I, yeah, usually I, when I'm making any kinds of new sounds, it's because I want to use it for a certain, you know, purpose in a song rather than like just sitting down and making a bunch of sounds and not knowing how I'd use them. Like I don't usually like just make presets or, or, or files just for no reason. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely always making them in the context of like a, you know, a piece of music, but definitely since like being, you know, doing this internship at Splice, which I've been doing for about a year or more than a year now, um, a year and a half, you know, for that, I'm constantly just making samples that are being used for samples. Or, I mean, usually, like, the main stuff I've been doing is processing recordings. Like, someone will have recorded a bunch of stuff, but they're not a producer and they don't know how to, you know, turn it into usable stuff. So, that you know, I'd be, like, creating melody loops and, and drum loops out of, you know, specific recordings and sounds. Um, so that was definitely a kind of a new thing to learn after I had already put out a bunch of sample packs. Yeah. Um, where it was like I wasn't making a full song out of it. I was I just like had to stop at the, the you know most basic idea and then do another one. And what was the process like working with your dad on on sample packs? I think that was yeah, it was just really fun because it was like I mean a lot of these sounds I just already knew of and had already heard my whole life. These recordings that just have been around, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's not like all the recordings were made for the packs, but it's. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, like, yeah, it was, it was super fun just because it's like I have a pretty good understanding, I think, of, you know, those sounds and how he's used them and how, you know, just kind of like the philosophy behind, like, why is this interesting? Like, you know, why is a, a bug, you know, an insect's like the specific rhythm of this interesting? And then I'm also like definitely now very, um, you know, embedded in like, classic like you know music production like things that like a modern you know just a beat maker would like and what's like the basic kinds of sounds that anyone wants to have more of like everyone wants to have another snare drum and an 808 kick drum like stuff like that is like it was very fun to combine that stuff with like super different source material from what any other producer is using as source material that's what i think is so fun because i don't know i don't know anything about that like how to make an 808 or snare out of a b you know, but it, it's really fun to to collaborate in that way, and to to listen to these sounds transformed. And I'm also very interested in what the aesthetic similarities and differences are between how we would do things. Like a certain kind of distortion, I would never use. But it's a big part of the you know this the sound and a lot of music that Umra is part of. Certain kinds of digital distortion, and so they'll take these whales and turn them into that. They already have it in there. That's something you could push more of. You know, if you wanted to, so it's really kind of fun to to see how that ha- that happened. And on the other hand, I did, you know, I dug up that those two pieces today because I, I was thinking like there's some kind of aesthetic connection actually, where, where we sometimes share. Like mm-hmm. I thought of that one piece, you know, Umru from Umru named Linkrot. I don't know why it's called that, although I think he once told me. And that I and when I listened to it, it's like I really like this. It has some kind of uh, just overall emotion and quality and shape. And then I realized it reminded me of this song from my first album that sounds totally different, but it has some something similar. So I just dug that up. That one isn't online. And so I sent it to you both so you could 
think like, mm, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd never heard that before. I mean, I, I listened to it when you emailed it. Um, I think I see what you're talking about. Yeah, like it's, um, it's a very like textural, I think. Um, even though, yeah, that's what I was like most interested in is it in, I don't even know how in 1991 you were doing like, like what, where are those drum sounds coming from? Yeah, basically it came from a box that I bought and used in this and returned because I didn't like it. Uh -huh. And it was a Yamaha, very strange synthesizer with four sounds you combine. You know, similar to the way this Roland works, four sounds make every sound. But the Yamaha version, most of the sounds were like organs and pianos and horns, but a few of them were weird things, like a little bit of drum and, and flute and things. And I mixed sort of my own and, and, and made the weirdest thing I could do with this device. And then I said, you know, it's, I just don't know what to do with this. I'll bring it back. And I, just today I was trying to look what, what it was called. I couldn't find it. I was okay. looking through the list of all the Yamaha products from that year. S but SY50, maybe. It was something like that. I was looking on the SY yeah. page. SY50, <laughs> So yeah. you know, you, you're yeah, on the yeah. same page. I was yeah, going yes. down the SYs. <laughs> Which SY was it? Yeah. If anyone would know, Marcus would know. So that, but then this kind of thing became so much more standard. Mm -hmm. as to way people make sounds you know now it's it's like um you know these things you know it's become much more familiar so that that um and then i just played you know when i was making things then i would just play live one take and record it on a dat that would be it no computer you know making that record was it's interesting how much how difficult it was compared to today even working on the cover scanning the cover image which was a collage my brother made cost like 500 dollars, and it came the wrong size and we couldn't resize it we had to put this black border on the cover because it would cost too <laughs> much to, to scan it again like what yeah stuff like that is amazing yeah. to think about right, it, yeah. it really is so uh -huh. i mean because i also definitely do a lot of you uh -huh. know, design and visuals and mm -hmm. obviously like music too it's so much easier to do all this stuff like it really is is just objectively easier um, as much as like stuff has remained the same. Like and the designer was doing it like you know cutting and pasting and laying it out, and then there was a fire in her house, and and like it all burned down except for this one floor that had this master, and otherwise we would have lost the whole thing. Then it's crazy. <laughs> so this mm. floor was okay. We we had the graphics. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, wasn't yeah. that long ago in the scheme of things. So, Umru, one one more question. You said that you're um, part of a, sp a specific scene of musicians, and um, can you tell us a little bit about that and what kind of like makes what kind of aesthetics aesthetics does that scene or music have? Yeah, I mean, I, it's very loose because anyone you ask about like this stuff will say probably a different group of people like is the scene or isn't because it it's very much just like musicians that are online and and use you know different online kind of uh uh ways to share their music and and just communicate with each other like i think like it's not really that much about the music being that similar i mean most of my friends that i've met through music i mean obviously it's you know similar enough in the sense that we all like like each other's music but a lot of it's very like very different and it's that's why you know people like like you know places like spotify have had such a hard time kind of like trying to categorize like you know there's this hyper pop playlist that just like put all kinds of different stuff together and people that listen to it from the outside are like, what, well, this is not even that similar. Like, why is this in the same playlist? Or this is, doesn't make sense. And I mean, 
yeah, I think that's like the thing is like a lot of this kind of scene and communities, you know, there, there's people that are very much like making rap music, like and, and rap and like drill influence kind of like stuff and they're vocalists and then there's producers making that kind of stuff. And then there's also like completely kind of dance music and like club music influence people that are, they're all friends and they're all like working together. Um, and then there's, you know, much more kind of like pop music and, and yeah, I know that there's, there's so many different things that are like, I don't even know how to yeah describe like the music. Um, but definitely the sense of community comes from kind of like, these are people that kind of grew up making friends online through, you know, different music scenes online. And there, there's just more and more like kind of communication between different groups of people. Like I'm always finding like, Oh, here's this like, you know, kind of scene, here's this like style of or a group of artists that are all working together and like, I had never heard of them before, but now I'd like, we'll follow one on Twitter and then like, I'll start talking to all of them and, you know, maybe make a song or something. And it's like very, um, it's based more around that, like the, the f kind of communication and, and just like communities and like, yeah, I mean, and now just during quarantine, there's so many of these online music events. And like, that's something we were doing before quarantine, even just cause like everyone was all around the world, but definitely it just became this huge thing during quarantine to have these parties. And then people that are like, I, people will perform at these events, you know, online and that I'd never heard of. And then I'll just like follow them and, or see, you know, like, yeah, it, a lot of it is just about like, yeah, being friends more than it being like a specific musical aesthetic. Um, but definitely like the people close to, closest to me and like the, you know, the PC music label and then like people I work with the most, it's, there's definitely a strong kind of influence of like pop music, like wanting things to be, you know, using the, the aspects of pop music that, that, you know, are the best, like why, you know, looking at like, why do these songs um, get so huge and like, and, and like, you know, liking that rather than like, there, there's no sense of like, oh, this thing is too cheesy or this is too like, uh, it's, it's been done too much or it's too, uh, you know, like obvious to do. It's like, why not? Let's just do it. And, and, but then, you know, do something else different. Like, oh, like having, you know, this like industrial, like, you know, club music beat, but then having, you know, cute pop melody vocal over it or something like it, it's a lot of like, yeah, like less restraint in terms of like, I think compared to a lot of experimental music where it's like, there's a very specific set of um, sounds and kind of palettes that that certain like genres and scenes of, of like experimental and alternative music will use. Whereas like a lot of the people I know and work with are just like, anything is fair game. Like, let's just do this and try it and um, and not worry about stuff seeming like yeah inauthentic or stuff seeming like cheesy like why not let's just go for it so would you say pop music is more open than like specialized genres pop music is open to everything or um well i mean pop music in terms of what is popular obviously there's always a very small amount of music that's popular but definitely like what is pop music and what is played on the radio changes very quickly and it's not one cohesive genre because like the biggest pop songs are like the baby and like you know these like rap songs or these like like jersey club uh like remixes that like blew up on you know tiktok or, or anywhere or like vine earlier on and like those became big songs that were played on the radio and that's happening more and more um like uh, like i don't know i don't think pop as a genre because like I, yeah i don't think that necessarily exists that much just because like 
through all of the history of pop music being a word like it, you know, used to be much more rock influenced or it used to be much more, you know, disco influenced. And, and, you know, now it happens to be a lot of, you know, rap music and, and, uh, you know, but yeah, uh, but definitely the music that we make, we, you know, and uh, me and my friends, we definitely like to just say, oh, this is pop music because we'd like it to be pop music. Um, and definitely we're influenced by stuff that is just super popular and we're not kind of like, there's a lot less of the kind of snobbiness, I think, of like a lot of underground music where it's like, this has to be alternative and different from what's mainstream. More it's like just trying to be mainstream and just building on top of that and seeing like how how far can we push that? Um, and how far can we like push what is mainstream, you know? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I find your music, I mean, uh, what I've heard of it uh, still to be quite experimental. So I, no, I would, it definitely is. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. obviously, like, none of my music has become pop music in the sense that none of it's become that huge. But um, I think the idea there is like we're taking aspects of of music, you know, of the, of that kind of thing, rather than saying like this is off limits because it's been done too much, or this is off limits because it's like, yeah, it, it's too obvious, or it's cheesy, or it's yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you say it's 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 the attitude and it's the community that's grown over years, and um, I I have to say it's very what you're explaining sounds exactly like how things happen for me, just it would probably just within a different uh, medium, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, so I think so that's great, a, a big difference. Know. It's just like yeah, that used you have to you used to have to be in the same city as the people you're, yeah, you know, like kind of working with and and like talking to in a music scene and now it's like that's just gone like a yeah There's you know, from yeah just just like even even david and you know and me you know like why do we know each other like you know it's i think it's it's a very complex thing it's not necessarily because we make the same music it's because we like the same sort of uh, outlook on life somehow mm-hmm. you know like being an artist in the field of music and like um it doesn't really matter what kind of what genre uh david right. you know produces or what i produce there's there's something we have in common and has nothing to do with the genre so i, I totally understand what you're saying but it does right. have to do with friends and people like yeah. it's, it's through robert uriendahl that we met because <laughs> robert robert is a it brings people together and you know i've sent people to him he's connected me to people because he likes to collaborate and it's this you know for me you know, collaboration is where I've made the most interesting music. And and especially now when we're stuck alone, I'm, I'm doing more collaboration than ever with people I don't get to see because yeah. I know that left to my own devices, I don't think my own ideas are, are interesting enough. Like I, I come up with better ideas together with, with other people. But I'm interested though in, in a lot of what you're saying, Umru, about, uh, you know, whether a scene is open to things or trying to distance itself and say, I, we don't like that. And I, I certainly remember a lot of, uh, you know, time in my life distancing what I liked from, from the mainstream. And, and I, I would wonder whether it was because I wanted to be different or I just honestly liked different things. Right. I just liked something that was a little different or did I really want to be different? And actually, I'm not sure looking back what the story was like, like, uh, 
you know, some people I know want to be consummate jazz musicians, learn every jazz standard, learn exactly how to play them, all the chord progressions. And I kind of didn't want to do that. Like, like I, I liked, uh, but I liked other musicians who had this real artistry by following their own paths and kind of wanted to learn from them. You know, when I went, when I was 18 to study with this group, Oregon, they were teaching at the Naropa Institute, you know, with Ralph Towner and Paul McCandless and, and Glenn Moore, and I still play with Glenn Moore sometimes now, even though he's he's uh, almost 80 years old, raising horses on the Mexican border in Arizona. You know, you, you still try and play with him. And it, it's really interesting to see. And that was a group that was friends, you know, and they had this way of playing together. They just, they're all idiosyncratic, all those musicians, and they're much better together than apart. They did, they sort of by chance found each other. I mean, it could make something. I, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. that's very much the same as, you know, basically all the musicians I know and work with. And the, the biggest difference is it's just so, like there's just new ways to, you know, you don't have to travel. You don't have to leave your bedroom to meet those people and like, you know, mm-hmm. for like, you know, collaborate and work on stuff. It's like, yeah, there's just so many like new opportunities to find you know some musician that you're going to connect with like that is it different collaborating when everyone's like a producer rather than playing a different instrument yeah i think so i mean it's definitely like i i very often get flagged as like oh i'm the producer that's good at making the crazy sounds or good at making the drums versus like someone else is much better at writing melodies that kind of thing but at the same time i think like everyone does kind of learn to do everything. Like even, you know, I work with a lot of vocalists, but like very few of the vocalists I know are just vocalists and, you know, need it. Certainly no one is like, I need my, uh, you know, engineer, vocal engineer, or I need to go to a studio to record. Like everyone knows how to do everything and everyone's just, you know, just out of necessity. I think like if you're, yeah, like everyone's just kind of like able to, to, at least like competent to do everything, even if like, you know, their main thing is, is being a vocalist, like they'll, you know, fill in the gaps where needed, I think. And like everyone's at, at some point experimented with whatever, you know, even if that's not what they're that good at, or it's not what they do like publicly, mm-hmm. even just in terms of like genres, like it's like, you know, I'll know some musician for a certain style of, of, of music. And then I'll work with them and they'll be like, Oh, why don't I do this? And it's like a completely different style of music that I wouldn't imagine they'd want to make or something. Um, or just finding out that like, Oh, like this person like that makes, you know, is a vocalist now like used to just produce a dubstep and is very skilled at these very specific like types of sounds or something like there's just endless stuff like that where it's like, you, yeah. You, uh, you probably don't spend as much time as people of the older generation do wringing our hands about the hopelessness of selling any kind of music, getting any audience with the, everything streaming for free, this confusion, like, like, like I mean, you probably have a totally different attitude towards the situation. I know that I, you know, got very lucky with the chance to like be selling some samples. Cause I know that like, I don't make that much money off of streaming music. Um, it's definitely like it, it, people are just used to the fact that like, Oh, like, I don't sell me like music selling isn't a source of income even even before you know like covid and quarantine like it was so standard like oh like this does not make me a lot of money like maybe if i go dj and if i get big enough to like do a tour or something that will make me money or if i sell t-shirts it'll make me a little bit of money but it's like it seems like so normal to everyone that like 
creating music and and like just having that be heard is not very lucrative it's just something you do because you like it and then like hopefully you find some way to turn that into like money. you know it's like people would get signed and people would get you know or, or get get their song placed in something big and then it'd be like it's cool like that's great but it's like it was very much assumed by everybody that like just streaming music is not usually making them that much mm. Um, yeah. or obviously selling it like no one's even selling it really it's all yeah, but even speaking of it in that way is speaking of a language that you know 10 15 years ago you know nobody would even say there were right. you know, streaming didn't exist and so people still imagined you know you can make music and that that the audience will pay for it like that, that right. uh, and but then again it's not so many years that that's been done maybe a hundred years of selling records and, and maybe it was just a phase in human civilization and now also, I think now, like a lot of the people who previously would, you know, they'd have a guitar and they'd, they'd mm -hmm. try and write music on their guitar or they would sing and write songs, but they would never think of like recording it because they think they're not good enough or because they can't afford to go record it or have someone work on it with them. Now, those people are just able to make the music and record it with free software or have their friend somewhere in a different part of the world, like mix it or produce it and like. So there's there's just more people also, and and those are the same people who like previously wouldn't even think about selling music probably if that wasn't yeah yeah that has to be a good thing yeah. that everybody yeah for sure you know however good any anyone is the fact that you can do it gets everyone more interested in the production of the music but yeah. it definitely raises a lot of questions for those who want to you know work and earn a living as a musician or, yeah. or uh, and especially at a time when nobody can perform or travel and we're, we're stuck here and you know but yeah. then marcus you've been traveling so many years you're, you're thinking like maybe enough already you're looking for the future <laughs> yeah no it's certainly been been good for me to be home but yeah um, at the same time just having the prospect of of never going you know to travel again which i know it's not going to be the case but you know if if you get in a uh, kind of depressive mood, you know, it's, yeah. it's another thought, right? And uh, I think, I think, um, you know, like this idea that young people don't don't even have that dream anymore to uh, to make a living as a. I mean, well, people still do. It's more like people don't assume that they're gonna sell. Yeah, I know, I know, like, I know, and I, I mean, that's like some other thing is gonna maybe happen that'll you know some yeah. artist will want them to produce their songs, some big artist yes. or something like it's like yeah. Yeah, I think that's the way it should. That's the way it should even be because there's never been it's never been easy to make money in the music business, mm -hmm. and it's always been a, a like the deal was always bad for the for right. the actual creator of the music. So. Um, and you know that's why I mean a, a lot of people want to talk to me about uh, the current situation and like I spoke to Anil Prasad a couple of weeks ago and like you know Spotify was a big like for me personally it's not really an issue it's kind of like a non-issue even for me because I'm not interested in dis discussing this so much I'd rather you know work on something that's a solution on my end and there mm -hmm. I'm completely with you Umru that there's there's other ways right. There's, there's maybe like, you know, people that, you know, were musicians, they start making, uh, they become YouTubers, you know, and suddenly they become famous yeah. for sharing their secrets, let's say, and, and right. they, they don't become famous for their music, but for the tools that they share and stuff. Right. I mean, but I mean, at the same time, I think there's no reason that there shouldn't be a streaming service because like people obviously like to pay for streaming services because they're convenient. There's no reason there shouldn't be something like that, that also... No. 
of just so. pays people more. Like, of course, like they should pay people more. Yeah, I just mean like more like people are so musicians now are so used to the fact that that stuff doesn't pay. You know, um, I I started my Bandcamp subscription yeah. about five years ago or four years ago, and it's great because like I get like like between fifty and ninety euro from per person per year, and they can stream my stuff only my stuff. So that means like of that money that you know they would pay like hundred twenty dollars, let's say, to Spotify, yeah. and have access to like every single artist, let's say. But here they only have access to my stuff and they pay almost as much. And it's how many and great, how many people great. say, do you have many people who say all the music I need comes from Marcus? I don't need these other people. Marcus does it it's, all. It's it's I I don't know. I don't know. It's impossible <laughs> that some that there's somebody who would say that. I wonder but, I bet but if that's, there is. Yeah, yeah. but but that yeah. but I, I think that's that's not the point. I think the point is that people have that awareness nowadays. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. think that's a great thing. No, yeah, and I think it's been building a lot. Like, I mean, just Bandcamp, it's just at least among young people, you know, I know Bandcamp is just very, like, obviously it's been around for a while, but it's very recently become just huge during during quarantine and COVID just because, like, they started doing this thing with the day where they just take 0% and suddenly, like, everyone was putting stuff on Bandcamp and everyone was recommending, like, here's all these artists you should check out on Bandcamp. Like, yeah. it was a big kind of resurgence. I remember I had a Bandcamp page, like, very early on when I started making music at all and, and obviously didn't sell anything <laughs> and then i sort of forgot about it because it was just like oh like yeah no one wants to pay this much money for music when it's on a streaming service but like there's definitely been a at least among yeah people my age like a resurgence of like oh if i have some extra money like i would love to support this artist for it especially yeah. if i know that like they're getting all of it um it's definitely like become a, a bigger thing to kind of like oh like yeah here's a a con concrete way that I know that I can support this artist and they'll get all the money. Um, and people like to do that if they can afford it. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of other stuff like that too. I mean, like, um, Patreon is something I know a lot of musicians do, if, especially if they, again, if they have like kind of producer type followers, like followers that also make music that can kind of give away files and give away stuff on that's like a monthly subscription and people, people like are willing to pay yes. for that. Yeah. Yeah, I checked that. I checked that out, and I have to say, I was a little bit shocked at, about the percentage that they take, and they, you know, like they yeah, charge. I don't know what it is. They charge for every single transaction, and mm -hmm. and it's it's. I found it a little, um, like on my evil meter, it was you know going over fifty percent. So I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't I mean, because I think yeah, Bandcamp is a really like they're one of <laughs> my favorite platforms for this kind of thing, definitely because they just yeah. you know yeah. You yeah. know, as far as like but, these selling platforms go, they're they're doing pretty well, I think, in terms of helping people. Yeah, but you also use. I think like there is a platform for everybody, or there should be, because you need to vibe with the with the platform as well. So if if you know how to work Bandcamp, yeah. then it's ideal. If you know how to work Patreon, then that's ideal. If you do YouTube, then that's ideal. If you do Splice, then that's great. And like you know, and and some people are good at, at doing multiple things and. I mean, most people some, have to do multiple things at this there point. There are some really bad ones, like the, the music. <laughs> what was the music funding page that went bankrupt and took everyone's money? You Pledge know? music. Pledge <laughs> music, yeah. Like people lost t tens of thousands of, of dollars. They, they yeah. just disappeared, took all yes. the money, went away. <laughs> and I had used them three times. But it worked for you, right? It it, it worked at that point. But then once I uh, mm -hmm. learned that actual, like, can't remember which one of the big three 
had bought into the company. Mm. Um, that, was- that I knew that that was like that's like oh, that's so fucking evil, you know. It's like it's like pimping out uh, beggars, you know. Mm. That's what they do, or and the, like these crowdfunding services, you know. Uh, I I think it's really horrible, and in a way, I mean, like Spotify. If we're always coming back to that example. Like Umru, when you said like, you know, like singer songwriters, then they can now record and produce and put stuff on, on Spotify. You know, what they do is they, they just raise the value of that company, but they are not raising their own value. And that is, that is a problem because everybody sent, then sends people to Spotify and, 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 and Spotify makes uh, money off of the people that use the service and yeah, not, and you know, know. And that's, yeah. that's, the, you know, and I'm, I, I agree. Yeah. Streaming is amazing. You know, I, I, it would be great if it had been around. I mean, it's always been around in a way since digital. Like when I downloaded my first MP3, you know, I had to download it and then I played it. Now it, I play it while it downloads. That's what streaming is, right? So, yeah. No, I mean, the thing is like, I I, I still like it, almost everyone I know too. It's like everyone doesn't like Spotify. Like they wish that everyone would just buy their music, but it's like, we know that people aren't going to do that. And so it's still more lucrative for everyone to have their music up on Spotify in case, you know, it does get discovered by more people. And then those people will maybe also want to support the artist somewhere else. It's like almost like, I mean, obviously if for people that do get a lot of plays, it does pay the money, but it, it's still so little, like it's almost more about a promotion platform than being yeah. like, this is how I make money. And and it's like thinking about, it's like playing the lottery, like believing. Yeah. That yeah. It's totally money. like it. Of course, success in music was always like that. Maybe I'll right. get signed. Maybe I'll right, get discovered. Right, yeah. I mean, what do you What do you think of Spotify's uh, you know announcement the other day? That they want to get rid of all genres. We are beyond genre into this world of Spotify. Genres. Loves genres. I didn't know about that. They love yeah. to categorize everything into th- you know they just invent genres based. They on- want to categorize things based on what it's for. Like it relaxes you. It makes you focus, and the music is about what it does for you, not where it comes from. We can mix all genres together in the in the guise of helping people and 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 making our customers happy they shouldn't worry that it's jazz or pop or classical it's I mean, just gonna improve surely, your life. like like i don't is that bad or good uh, spotify like isn't gonna succeed at that i think just because like their their whole model is around like and it works for them because people do like songs that are listened to this you know by people that like, like it's, it's all based on play numbers, like I was saying. So like, I, and it, it works because people will eventually like, it does suggest music that sounds similar and that similar people like. And so usually people are into it and they will listen to those songs more. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think that, that's kind of surprises me because it seems like they're very interested in creating genres and creating playlists around these genres that they decide are similar or that they, you know, and it's all based around plays more than it is around what it sounds like, I think. But, of course, for most kinds of music, basing things around plays is never going to work. Like, you know, I mean, classical music is, which is the eternally most popular kind of music over the generations, the stuff that everyone will keep listening to, that it's just not well served by such a platform because the pieces shouldn't be divided up into short popular songs. Like you might have like a, an hour long piece that, you know, only one part is popular, but you're supposed to listen to the whole thing because it's like, a, you know, it's just structured differently and all, the, and, and, and all the information that goes with it is part of the experience, which they take away. They don't give it to you. 
you know you, you know just just this week um i i released um an album called mon bijou by the bass player and it is shah who is oh, you released that. yeah i heard, I heard yeah. it was released it was yes. it was listed on like somewhere yeah yes and and so it is a three track album so it has like mm -hmm. a three minute track it has a 28 minute track and has a six minute track is this and the one so, where he's playing in a subway station or something yes yes yeah, yes yes yeah. in, in a bridge actually it's a, yeah it's in a bridge and um uh, the interesting thing is that we uh, also submitted it to our aggregator to put it on onto the streaming services and onto the download services. It turns out that they don't have a a, a model for an album like that. So first of all, they ask, "Is this an EP?" And I always said, "It's an album." And um, okay, so but we can sell each track for a maximum of one euro ninety nine or something like that. Uh, so that means the album has to be cheaper than three times 1.99 so and they said so and and the, the the price class we have here is three three euro 79 and but i discussed with nick Berch that we want at least seven euro for the album right so we said okay we can do it so only only put it out on streaming services and then they actually got back to us which is strange and offered us like uh, like an exception they made an exception that we they can actually they'll put that up for seven euro and it's mm. it's it's crazy like like some sort of some sort of content is um like just you know i have albums that are 60 minutes it's just one track 60 minutes yeah they, they don't like that they'll send you notes can you please you know can you make the track shorter we can't charge too much yeah. for these long tracks yeah they don't, you know. yeah but it's it's sort of horrible that you know like in the initial when they initially set this up that they didn't even think about this they time. didn't think about it yeah I mean, there's a kind of CD that can be a continuous piece, could be many tracks and, and plays as one. Yeah. You know, because they wanted to index it for, you know, the early days of the CD player. But you weren't supposed to mix up the order. You were just supposed to be able to to fast forward easily and it would play as one song. Yeah. But that gets messed up in the, the streaming yeah. universe. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So somehow I heard about that and I listened to it and, and said, hmm, he's always up to cool stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great album. It's yeah, it's a great, his first a great real musician. solo album. Yeah. yeah, and there was one that was a, a do like a duet with you, very conceptual. That I have yes. some early version of. Yeah, we were cutting and pasting things. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there there would be a solution for this problem, for the Spotify problem, like because they have the data of who listens to <laughs> what, right? And so, so if if they would simply just divide up the money that a listener spends like the subscription money and divide that that up um to the artists they are actually listening to if they would do that i think the, the, it would be fairer and i think people would just like the musicians would accept the service and it wouldn't create this whole bubble of uh complaints right yeah i think they and it, it might evolve in that direction i'm always yeah, I, you I know i'm so. always surprised how bad their recommendations are when they're trying to suggest things and and uh, with all the data they have on what i listen to they should be much smarter they should know a lot more and i think that they could easily be better with the same data just by by thinking more seriously through it yeah so um umru do you have any like future vision for what you do or what you want to do or about music in general or is there anything you you dream of um it's a good question i mean i yeah i 
want to keep making music that reaches more people. I mean, I don't think I have a very clear vision of how that happens. I'm sure this stuff is going to change so quickly and so soon, like many times over. I think like it's hard to predict how musicians are even going to be making money or, or working. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm still very much interested in like, I want the things I do to be to reach a, a you know a wider audience and, and and be actually pop music and and uh, you know kind of have an effect on on you know what popular music can be and what music can be. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't have any very specific kind of goals of be, you know beyond that. I don't know. Do you think about artists you'd like to produce? thereby like change what they're doing build on their popularity and push them in another direction yeah i mean i i do think about that but at the same time the, the artists that i want to work with the most are the people that are already kind of doing that rather than I mean, there's maybe there's a few people you know maybe that like you know huge pop stars that i think are just so good at writing songs but have such boring production like there's a few people like that maybe but but honestly the best music i'm making and the best people i've produced for are just people that are you know, my friends are not super popular. It's, it's like, and you know, at least, or, or, you know, like my peers rather than, than someone I'm, a, you know, I need to aspire to work with that's way bigger than me. I think it's like, that's definitely the best music I've made and probably will always be the best music I'm making is with, with, you know, my friends and people that I can, you know, work closely with rather than like, oh, I'm going to send a hundred beats to some artist and hope that maybe they like one. Um, that's definitely like less fun. Yeah, there's actually a rap track out there that's uh, Crown featuring Marcus Reuter. Really, yeah. because he's, he's used one of my samples. And I don't even recognize which track it is. <laughs> it's super funny. <laughs> and he doesn't have um, many plays at all. But, <laughs> but it exists. It exists. That's what counts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so Umru, that's, um, do you actually uh, produce or do, do you work on music every single day? I would like to. I mean, I I do something. Um, definitely not every day. Like I, I really should. Um, but yeah, there's definitely like a million other things that end up like, yeah, yeah. And even if I do, I'm definitely not making something I like every day. But I'd like to get to a spot where I just have more free time to just be doing that constantly. Um, so, and what what is your workflow like? Do do would you say there's something that's kind of like particular to how you work? Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I like to like definitely. I make music that's just all like me on my own, um, and that's one thing. But I definitely like for a lot of any music that I'm imagining becoming, you know, like a song with a vocalist and with stuff like that. I like to get like I think feedback very immediately. Um, you know, I like to. I, I will make something pretty simple and you know that doesn't take a lot of time and just send it to to somebody to work with and then get it back and, and you know do more with it rather than like trying to have completed songs and then just have someone sing on top of it um mm-hmm. but that's only yeah that's like one you know part of it and then other other stuff i'll be doing just you know much more just like instrumental and on my own and, and spending way too much time on i'm definitely not a, a fast producer um but i i try to more off like because you know i've for so many times i've like made something for a very long time and spent you know worked on a ton of details and then it's it just hasn't been liked by anyone or used by anyone um 
Mm-hmm. When I mean like, you know, producer mode, trying to produce for an artist, for a vocalist. And it's always like I I try to make, you know, force myself to not spend too much time on stuff and do very kind of quick ideas and just see like, okay, do you like this? Do you like this? And then finish it as a song after the fact rather than trying to make like products to give people the way like very that's like the way a standard pop music is done a lot i think and the industry yeah. pop music is like you have a whole song like even you have someone write a song and then you try and pitch it to artists whereas i think like i definitely would have a hard time working like that i think do you uh, would you say that you have a, a very strong opinion about what's right and what's wrong or uh, are you just generally uh, more open i think i'm like yeah open definitely i think i i mean i have a strong sense of what i like and what i think sounds like me i think i have like there's definitely a lot of stuff where it's like if i work on something and i i even if it sounds good but i feel like it doesn't sound like me i'm not satisfied um which sometimes is a bad thing you know sometimes you get, i get too caught up in that um but definitely like i have a sense of that like i was a pretty strong sense of just like what i think fits and works together but mm-hmm definitely in terms of like yeah de- definitely I'm, I'm still very open to the ways in which i do that or, or create that you know mm-hmm. i'm not doing the same thing every time mm-hmm. and uh what's that noise <laughs> helicopter yeah <laughs> it's a helicopter being zoomed in and out with echo cancellation that's good <laughs> Hey, so David, um, what about your future in music? My future ideas? Yeah, it's a good question. I think for me, I'm constantly looking for ways to combine the different stuff that I do in new new forms because I feel it, it's it's not done as well as it could be. I like how do you write about music? How do you you connect the words? Thinking about the sound to the sound. How do you connect to the natural world? Should it be in books, in films, live concerts out in the wilderness? You know, you know. I definitely miss real live events. And you know, over the past few years, I started thinking like, boy, these these products are on the way out. Like, music has to be in person with people. Let's just create events we can't quite explain. Like all these nightingale things that turned out to be very successful and moving for people. Mm-hmm. And it took all these different forms. I kind of like to do more of that, but I also believe there's going to be new forms, new ways music will be bought and sold that, you know, this isn't like the, the end of it. It's, it's just endless streaming and, and then artists appealing, you know, help support me get this thing that you don't really need because you already have the music. Like it's going to change things we haven't quite predicted yet. Like, like we, I'm not sure what those things are, but I, I feel like, uh, I'm hunting for these new ways to put it all together. And I'm not sure what the answer will be. I've liked working on these films, but I, I would also like them to reach more people and also uh-huh. be more, um, you know, whenever it's surprising and involves more, more different perspectives, it seems to be, be better. But I think that uh, I also love books and I love, I love objects connecting and music to all these other things. I'm not sure which of these objects are of value to people now as we seem so dematerialized. And, and um, you know, I do, get, I do worry about being overwhelmed by, by stuff, by, by music and ideas and images. And so you feel you're adding more to the fray of this, that it's, it's like uh, nobody needs it. There's too much, but it's fun to make. And it's fun to make. It's fun to make things that surprise me. Like if I do something that, that oh, I didn't think it would come out like this, and it's kind of interesting. 
That's what I like. And I do like these live events that cannot be turned into, into media, you know, where, yeah. the, where the actual experience is more than the record of the experience. And I, I, that's definitely what I miss the most in this strange time. You know, I'm sure you, you would have a view of that too. Like all these concerts, where do they go? You know? Yeah. And I mean, first of all, I completely agree that it would be very arrogant of us humans, human beings to think that we can predict the future. Um, and, um, even the fact that, you know, like some people say, like the only way that the future can be imagined is as, uh, like dystopian style. Right. And, um, I simply just don't don't agree with that. I think there's some, going to be something new. There's going to be something positive. I, I think that um, good work, like you know, in the sense of like whatever that means, good art, is uh, something that people will always crave somehow, and may probably crave more after this uh, COVID thing, right? And like the you know, and also the question is, I mean, what what does it mean after like is there something like a real after do we we need a word that that describes um you know the in-between state between before and after which i guess is now like the present and and this is this is where we are and we should try to make the best out of the present and and that's why uh like i've i always hate people who tell me that i shouldn't make so much music uh it's ridiculous you know like people always that's always that's always a weak critique it just means you're doing more you know the the, the people complaining are always in a weaker position than those doing the thing being complained about like i'm doing it you, you know you might not like but i am doing this thing and so you don't complain that i'm doing but i do have some predictions though, that I, that i'd mm -hmm. like to see happen like i would like to see people with all the stuff we can listen to and look at become better aware at how to think about it, how to connect things and recognize the relationships between things, not just, not just have all the algorithms do it for us, but to recognize how things are connected by the virtue of the access we have. Like, you know, it would have been amazing, you know, you know, to be in what if when I was in college, to be able to get so much music right away, instead of having to hunt it down, if, we could, if I could have heard all this stuff then and thought about it instead of, you know, hunting for it, then, uh, you know, would have been an amazing position to think and learn and listen, that people should realize we have this incredible opportunity, take, take some of it seriously, to pay attention to all this stuff in, with enough time to really like learn from, from the possibilities. And I think people are doing that. And I expect in the future, people will, will be more, they'll be more even in just intuitively educated listeners. They'll just know more about what's out there. Mm -hmm. I, I agree, but it's funny that somehow even it still sounds a little bit old-fashioned to me. To, Very uh, old-fashioned to think yeah. to think that way. But yeah, yeah. you know what? What I'm trying yeah. to say with that is, I believe that that you know, people, we, we as people, we evolve, like we we you know, and we can't really see. I mean, like we do see it, but we can't really put it into words. And uh, and like like one of the uh, ideas I had, like maybe like in my mid twenties or so was that people are getting just like, they acquire more processing power. So for example, Umru, right? Like he can probably grasp something like, like a hundred times quicker than I can and, uh, and like form an opinion or form, you know, form some sort of taste 
on something that he just picks up like this, where I would have to have to, you know, sit down and listen for three months or something like that. This is just an example. I don't, you know, but but there's some sort of qualitative difference between like the way that I think and the way that, you know, somebody from a younger generation thinks. I'm I, I'm I'm absolutely certain that that's the case. Like when I see my my 16 months old daughter pick up an iPhone, and she kind of like understands the gestures kind of thing. It seems looks like you know it's as if it's all like you know the the collective conscious is already injected into the mm. the younger being somehow and and that's why I'm sort of even though I I took completely agree with you David that like education right would like in in you know in how to um, uh, interfere interface with the arts would be great if that would be something that is is kind of like the basis of education but uh, but I think that probably um, younger people may already be able to do that on their own and they don't need somebody else to tell them how to do that. I mean, that's at least that's something what I would hope would be the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying right. to tell people how to do it, but just that be open enough to, uh, you know, to, to think, learn, however you learn to, you know, how do you assess something you've never heard before and, and, and take it in, be open to it. And I would say some people are open, some are less open. They could be old or young, depending on their yeah. attitude. And, yeah. and people can open up, people can, can change their mind by simply giving it time. Like the fact that you might take three months to figure something out to form an opinion is a good thing. It shows like attention to the phenomenon that maybe someone else would be impatient like my, yeah, like but my, I, but my parents, that. like like my parents, my mother in particular, she hated country music and my brother was always into it. My mother would, would liked all kinds of music. She's very passionate about the arts, but she like, didn't take this stuff seriously. And my brother kept telling her mom, you know, why don't you ta- listen to it, spend some time listening to this music and you would appreciate there's some depth in there. And then I think eventually he, he convinced her and she, she began to get some appreciation. One thing is that he was into it and he started playing the guitar and singing with his country voice. And it was so different than what my mother valued. But but she, you know, if you take the time to be open to what you dislike, maybe you can. You don't, might not like it, but you can learn what makes it work or not work. Yeah, and you know, even though I, I agree with that, I think there is the a, a chance that it's a misunderstanding if we say like, like like that some people don't have the patience. Maybe they actually really understand quicker. Mm-hmm. And this oh, yeah, is, this is I find yeah, right. I find this I uh-huh. find this an interesting uh-huh. thought because like from my perspective I would I would say that yes but also um, you know I've I've started um, uh, a YouTube series where I where I'm teaching a younger younger man touch guitar so mm-hmm. I'm passing on like almost thirty years of experience with this instrument to him in one year he has one year to learn to play it and he's now played for six weeks and he is already at a position where I was like after seven years of practicing it's unbelievable like you know i i think that there's a, there's a, people just don't start at the same level you cannot mm-hmm. like say that it, we are all the same you know we can mm-hmm. and 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 i believe that there is some sort of uh difference in how uh, the brains process information i mean obviously like like Umbu has he has grown grown up with with a computer with you you know you sitting in front of a computer and then you know it was was normal for him, like mm-hmm. where we still had to learn it. And I think this is something that just changes the the way people interact with the world. Umru, would you would you agree? Yeah, I mean, well, even now, like 
I'm <laughs> obviously very young and there are, I, I'm constantly surprised at how young some of these musicians are that I'm finding that are, you know, writing much better music at like 16 than I was when I was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like an, an even, you know, smaller difference, but it's like, uh, like, I, I can't explain what it is, like why <laughs> they're able to do this. It's not like they've been learning music longer. Obviously it's just, you know, who knows, like they've been around, you know, it's like, yeah, it's hard to explain why, why like so many, I feel like now, I mean, obviously there's always like very skilled children at different things, but I think like specifically just like, I've found so much music made by very young kids. That's like, and, and more so rather than like just in production, more so in like songwriting, like, you know, I, like even when I was that age, like any of the people that I knew or became friends with were not making great music. (laughs) around that's like as good as the stuff that i'm hearing now like it's really like who knows why but yeah so so maybe there's something like um that older generations you being the older generation in this case you're you're kind of not even a full generation yeah Yeah, i know i know but like you're you're sort of like paving the way for um you know like people that follow to learn stuff quicker and to have like a different or maybe a more um natural expression within a certain medium right like if yeah, like yeah. like like for example like the use of music music production software if that's something that like you can wrap your head around while you grow up you know yeah, even yeah. as a as as a really young child right like you, you see your dad moving like blocks around and 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 drawing <laughs> automation right <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then it's so natural for you and you're like and and i can i mean i'm just using this as an example i think it's also like in finer details that that you know the the technology is just available to express yourself and and like you know i had to learn i had to practice my instrument for 30 years to be able to play but you know why shouldn't there be somebody you know comes around and you can does the same do the same thing in six months why not i mean it would be awesome i i you know i really think that's great and if if you know even uh, stuff like spotify <laughs> to come back to that has some sort of contribution into that direction and then that that uh, legitimizes it a little bit Right, like people have access to listen to everything, like any almost anything, or that you know they believe they can, and and you yeah, know, there is like, probably can... a difference there. Yeah, like people you can should listen learn. to much more music. People yeah. listen to yeah more. It's, it's people should learn. From, they should listen to more different kinds of things and really learn from it, and and uh, and be encouraged to listen to to this different kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like even if they if some if they they're afraid it might be outside their comfort zone or what they know about that that. Uh, just go for it try it out yeah yeah i mean i think even yeah compared to me even though i did listen to i feel like a fair amount of very different music like again i've you know heard of kids that are like they're just really into like you know stuff i would never expect like stuff that's not new you know like and and it's like i don't know how these people found this music because it's like like even me like I had the internet and I had like music files, but I know I listened to the same things over and over again in my iTunes rather than like someone just having Spotify as a kid probably listened to a lot more different music, maybe less times, you know, but it's definitely different even a few years apart. Like I know that I grew up listening to the same files I had downloaded over and over and over rather than 
even though I had access to stuff like you know YouTube and like free stuff online, it was it was different than it is now. It's like so easy. You're to still find. children yeah. of streaming, the streaming children, <laughs> and that's like just one idea and one difference. Right there, like right. there's there's lots of other differences, yeah. and it's not it's not necessarily better, you know, in the sense that like. Uh, yeah, on streaming, probably people will listen to a song once and it'll have a different effect than something that they listen to over and over again, um, fixate on, like, I don't know. <laughs> and that's, I'm sure not everyone is the same, but there's definitely like a, a change there, I think. Yeah. Okay, guys, I think we've we've talked for more than 90 minutes. That's Yeah, it's uh... impressive. <laughs> you kept us going. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thanks I mean, a lot for doing this. It's really fun. No, you're, you know, it's uh, yeah, it's been yeah, it's been you. a pleasure. And because you know, I I think um, um, I was wondering if it's how it's going to be to have both of you on, <laughs> and uh, you know, like to see the father son dynamic. I don't I'm so know glad Omar decided to do it. He didn't say like, no, 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 that's dumb. You know, <laughs> no, what, what am I going to say? What am I going to talk about? <laughs> it's going to be good. <laughs> That's definitely something I can talk about. I was yeah. pretty sure you were going to say no to this opportunity. So I was surprised and delighted that you said yes. <laughs> okay. Great. Yeah. See you in person one of these days. Uh, I hope so. Marcus, see you tomorrow, Umru, in person. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thank take you. care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye.